All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK and Evenstrokes for all their incredible support as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode... I'm joined by the great man, Lorenzo Resta, the MXGP master, fresh from uh, Germany, mate. How's life and uh, how was your weekend? Uh, yeah, that was a really, really interesting weekend. It was busy. It was packed with a lot of uh, good stuff, bad stuff. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, I have to say that was uh, probably the key weekend of uh, uh, 2023 as it was uh, the middle round. Uh, so we now are coming back after the first nine rounds we will come back with other nine starting with a double uh, uh, event in Indonesia but of course plenty of stuff happened during the weekend in every class so it's really interesting honestly talking about MXGP, MX2, EMX250 and EMX125 I think we had probably the most interesting weekend of the season. Yeah mate it was certainly all happening and and the great probably performance of Prado, we should probably touch on first. And, and obviously Hurling's the injury, the terrible violent crash that's going to keep him out for at least the next two rounds. But um, yeah, I suppose you've got to admire Prado 1-1 on that brutal track, 38 GP win, I believe Paul said on the broadcast, tied with Pichon, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, he just looked really good. He, he just does it, manages things masterfully, doesn't he? He knows the limits, he knows... And those limits are really high for him. Obviously, he can ride so fast, being so comfortable, and yeah, just putting in really consistent lap times, really fast, and getting those starts and putting himself in the positions to succeed. It was was pretty impressive, mate. Definitely a contrasting fortunes for for Hurlings compared to him. And yeah, so what, what was your take of it all on the ground for those two, mate? Yeah, you know, we were talking about this with you and James last time we we chat last week and well last week and. Uh, we said that after this incredible art trick in Latvia from uh, Jeffrey was the time to uh, give an answer uh, and give a signal from uh, from Prado uh, showing that he wasn't uh, ready to give up. Uh, we saw it already in the in the quali race. Uh, um, Jorge was uh, was uh, doing just his job uh, pretty well. He was quite quick in the in the practice, and then he did a fantastic uh, a fantastic race. Uh, on the on Saturday, uh, what of course uh, helped him a lot then in approaching the um, the two races in Sunday. Then the start wasn't that great like uh, uh, we we are used to with uh, with Jorge, but probably the focus was a little bit different. He was uh, maybe searching for a fight with uh, with Jeffrey. What didn't happen in uh, in the quali race because Jeffrey had a strange. Uh, uh, quali race uh, uh, finished 40 if I'm not wrong uh, and uh, it wasn't really like uh, uh, it didn't show that it was it was yeah it was fourth and it wasn't really like uh, ready to fight uh, even Alberto Forato passed him like uh, he did in France uh, so now um, what is not common for Jeffrey was passed three times during the season two times by Alberto Forato uh, running approximately on the same bike and uh, with uh, Roman Fevre in um, in a race two in Latvia. Of course, then 
uh, in race two in Latvia. We know that Jeffrey passing back uh, and, and went for a, for a victory. But it was quite amazing to see how Prado was able to, to play the game mentally as he started well, but then in the first moto, he didn't show like he was really there for going away for the victory. It was more uh, Jeremy Sewer who took the lead and uh, was giving the rhythm to the race. Probably this was helping a little bit Jorge to don't burn uh, completely his energies uh, mentally and physically and make him ready to, to go at the right moment. Because then when Jeffrey came and passed uh, Sewer, Jorge uh, showed that it was really able, easy to pass uh, uh, Jeremy. Uh, it didn't took so much before uh, he passed Jeremy and to come back uh, on on uh, Jeffrey's tail, and uh, and is what he did. He did it very very well, and he was start to putting pressure on uh, on Jeffrey. And I think that that was a kind of uh, key moment of the season uh, because uh, Jorge was riding pretty well. He was riding probably more at ease than uh, than Jeffrey in some place. Uh, Jeffrey said that he didn't take any any risk, uh, but he was pushing really hard to to try to to get away from uh, from Jorge. And uh, I don't know if maybe it was the wrong choice. Uh, it was better just to try to to play a fight game, a physical game, as he's uh, so much stronger physically than than Jorge. But uh, he probably wasn't trusting so much uh, Jorge in a, in a duel, in a physical duel, in a, a close duel. So he decided to to go away, to try to push. And I asked uh, Jorge in the press conference uh, what he was thinking about that crash because he was just there. And he said, yeah, he crashed in front of me. And it was really scary because he went on a part of the track that was still a little wet and muddy and really slippery. And he said that that part was the only part of the track that was really, really uh, tricky. And uh, so I decided to take always a different line, a little bit different. But he said, Jeffrey, that, at that point, was pushing really, really hard. And we saw it happen. Uh, of course, it is a shame uh, because uh, a champion like that, that show this year, if it was necessary, but to me, it wasn't uh, that it's the fastest and the strongest rider uh, out there. Uh, he, he did another time another mistake of course I, I know that uh, Jeffrey doesn't think that he did a mistake and probably uh, it's easy it's really easy to talk from a desk in front of a computer or uh, or in a press room and uh, without being able to be on a bike even at one tenth of the speed of those guys so I, I don't want to, to judge nobody uh, uh, less than anybody else the, 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 the fastest rider probably ever and the most winning uh, rider ever, that's for sure. So it's I don't want to to uh, to, to judge nobody, but again, once again, uh, while he was so close to to heaven, again he, he fell down to to hell, and and to me it, it represents something that is unbelievable on one side. It's so now demandful, you know, to stay two weeks out of the races, out of the competition, to stay calm, to think only about uh, heal your neck and then start again to ride. He did this stuff so many times, uh, restarting from zero. I hope for him this time it will be not 
the case to to restart from zero because uh, I hope this injury will just need two three weeks of uh, uh, just uh, recover and uh, and stay quiet and uh, and maybe do some other sports for sure. But I hope really that he can come back uh, on uh, on his level. But then you know when you when you uh, stop in this way, uh, so in from one minute to to another, it's never easy. So Jorge today is sixty seven points in front of him, but in fact I think that we have to consider that the, the real second in the standings at the moment is Roman Favre that he has one hundred six point. Is 106 points behind, and Fernandez is 116 points behind. Uh, of course, the average of points is much higher than before with the quali race uh, with points. So now uh, we have 60 points at every weekend. But hat tricks are not so easy to do. We saw uh, in MXGP only two riders did it, and one has the red plate, the other one is second in the standings. Uh, so I don't see at the moment other riders able really to be in the middle of this duel. Uh, so Orge, that is really good on this, uh, the opportunity now to manage a little bit more uh, with his results, uh, with his speed. Uh, we saw it already in the second moto, it was clear. He did a good start. It was behind Glenn. He could force and go immediately. Why? It was just the easy riding perfectly, pure technique riding without one only risk he never put his will uh his wheels in, in the wrong place few laps before the end he just clicked uh one second down in lap time he passed uh so easy glenn and he went away winning easy easy is never easy of course winning in mxgp but when you uh have this kind of uh, consistency when you have this kind of feeling with the bike that at the moment is perfect when you have this kind of trust in your capacities, I think that is quite easy. So the first hat trick of his career went just in the right weekend, I think. Yeah, it's incredible consistency and just the way he, he deals with the situation so well. Obviously, we were just talking before and it's like just how he holds his own so far in the season facing against, like you said, one of the best guys ever, not burdened by the red plate, not burdened by the pressure too much, can still perform. Yeah. And he's the only man that's held the red plate all year. So he's had it all year to deal with. So that's a pretty impressive achievement. It's cool to see what he's doing. And I don't think he's finished lower than sixth in a moto. That was his second overall win. And just impressive how he keeps racking off the points. And he, he sort of mixes that mental sort of toughness with that sort of humility. You hear him talking afterwards, you know, saying to Glenn at the start, like his lines were ex fair play to him. He, he looked really good. And then mixing that with the, I hope Je Jeffrey's okay. And, that we can resume our battle because it's been it's been fun and it's it's been good for the fans. It's probably been pretty cool for him too. But yeah, just where do you do you do you see Fevre just racking up some wins now and Prado Prado managing it? Obviously Fevre had the speed. He always has the speed, but those little mistakes just they're just killers yeah. for him. And he knows that he must be so frustrated. Yeah, I think so. And when we are talking about Prado, we have to consider, as you perfectly said, that uh, this kid, because he's a kid, he's a 22 years old, uh, and for me, he's still a kid, is able to manage and to deal with the red plate since the first race. The race that he didn't won, but he was on the red plate already. Uh, nine races, eight podiums. The only race he didn't went on the podium was his home GP, equal points with a third. Six 
victories on the qualifying race out of nine, what is unbelievable. And it's not common. Nobody, of course, did like that. But he was second then in Latvia. And the only poor, I would say, qualifying race he had was in Arco di Trento. For the rest, was able always to be there and to win this kind of race. And it means that he has... 60 points with the victories uh, in his pocket already. Uh, those are a lot, you know. It's uh, it's really some something that uh, that is big. If I have to find one another key point, key moment of uh, the race in Germany from Prado, I would say the first start because he, he didn't honestly two incredible starts. He, compared to what he do normally, probably the, because the start in Germany is a little bit on downhill, so it helps a little bit everyone. Even Alberto did good starts uh, with his uh, weight and everything. But the first start, uh, he was uh, sa- um, shoulder to shoulder with Jeffrey. Uh, they almost touched with a handlebar, and he had this kind of little uh, aggressivity. He was aggressive immediately, and it didn't uh, close the throttle he, he he was pushing on jeffrey by purpose with the body and um, this is a big signal that you you give you know there's a good sign that you go to your adversary i'm not scared about you i will do whatever in, i need to be there uh, and it was probably jeffrey who was forced a little bit to calm down on the first corner because he really uh, Jorge, without doing nothing wrong eh? it was uh, it was clean but he showed that uh, uh, he was there, ready for the fight. And I think that the memory of everyone, more of uh, everyone of those two riders, went back on 2021 when they had this incredible duel. Because that duel was uh, one race long, wasn't just at the last lap. They passed each other a couple of times. Jorge did one, probably one of the best overtake I ever saw in my life. And then I still have some trouble to understand how he did it because he did on a couple of roller coaster an incredible uh, line he took uh, and he went out of the second jump uh, first what i think even jeffrey didn't understand understood from where he was coming uh, then he did this big mistake on the on the at the end of the race and he was doing again in the first race this year as he crossed completely the final jump, uh, but this time really slower and nobody was around him, just a, a lap rider, I think. But uh, it could cost him a lot. But I think that it was just uh, because uh, he didn't know what uh, happened to, to Jeffrey and he was like uh, even not believing uh, what he saw. Uh, Jeffrey decided to finish the race to collect uh, as much point as, as possible. He just collect one uh that put him on the almost the mm. third zero of the season start to be a little bit too much to think about winning the championship of course without the injury he, he could still uh, fight for the title and he still can fight for the title even with the injury after if he if he will come back in good uh, shape uh, in locket but uh, 3-0 at this moment of the season uh, are a lot and uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's something that uh, we have to consider. Of course, uh, Roman Fevre has already two zeros, and uh, Fernandez has one. But yeah. uh, still, it's uh, 
it's a lot. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that um, hurling, just seeing him riding around. It was really hard to watch. You could tell he was in agony, huge discomfort. Um, they kept the, on the TV broadcast. They obviously kept the camera on yeah. quite a lot, and it was just it was just really difficult to watch. And and just on to Prado as well. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about him going on to win this title. And then what does he do next? Does he go to Supercross or stay in MXGP? Um, there's obviously those two topics were pretty pretty firing after this weekend too, weren't they? It's uh, it's quite amazing because uh, Jorge is fighting for the first time in yeah. uh, MXGP, uh, fighting for the title, and he has almost one end on the title. That's for sure. I mean, then nothing is sure in uh, uh, motorsport, in sport in general, but uh, he has at least one end on the title, and uh, and we are talking about what will he do. Uh, from what I know, he has another year contract with uh, with uh, Gas Gas. I don't think that anybody would be ready to broke this contract uh, and to pay the penalty to broke the contract. So, in my opinion, there is a lot of uh, possibilities that he stays in Europe, he stays with Gas Gas, he stays at least in the KTM group, and he will go on, you know, uh, defending the title if he will win the title or trying to go for for a title if he is not going this year. Uh, but I don't don't see him uh, going so much to America also because there. Now everything is almost done, you know, like Cooper Webb in Yamaha or Dylan Ferrandis in Kawasaki or stuff like that. It's almost done. So there are not so many places where to go. There is still a chance to stay in the same KTM group and, and find a, a, a bike uh, and stay in the group, uh, of course, is, uh, is an option. But I see it with a lot of difficulties for, for him to go to Supercross on the 450. It's not like when you are 22 years old and you move with your 250 in uh, in America. That's much, there's a lot of difference. Uh, less races, of course, to do in Supercross. Level is a little bit lower than in uh, 450. But when you go to 450 uh, directly, it can be a nightmare. Uh, you have uh, so many races, 17 races in a row almost uh, with a 450. And it's not easy to, to learn and to stay on two wheels all time. So uh, everything can happen, but I don't see that so many possibilities to go there. And nobody will pay him so much to do just uh, outdoor. And uh, so to me, that's just the case that he stays in Europe, uh, stays with the same contract that he has at the moment for one more year and then we'll see yeah it's interesting see what happens obviously it's a bit early to probably talk about these things when he hasn't got the title and there's still half the season <laughs> yeah. to go so we'll definitely be watching that space with interest and obviously talk glenn he had a he had a brilliant weekend you know he's he's done so well in that race there had great speed and he, he had some pretty impressive rides leading up to it you think back to spain he was quite good and obviously you can hold his own in Latvia and pretty much anywhere, you know, he's a very complete rider like so many of these guys. And I noticed after the race on the, when he obviously put the post out on Yamaha saying he changed his program a little bit recently and it's great for him to get a whole shot. And obviously he's been working hard and the team's been working hard. And that was sort of a great reward for all of that, wasn't it? On the weekend with his riding and the result. Yeah. Most, most of everything, uh, he did it on uh, the worst track for him. Uh, because uh, Teuchental is a kind of place that he hates. <laughs> if he can take away one or or two races from the calendar, one will be for sure Teuchental and the other one Mantova. Uh, two tracks where he never uh, did well and uh, that he really never liked. 
um, Toshenthal more probably than uh, than everybody else. Uh, what's quite uh, curious as he's good on every kind of uh, soil and every kind of uh, uh, tracks, but. Uh, Glenn did a fantastic job. Uh, we did a superb second moto. Reminds me a little bit about uh, Riola while he was starting in front and was able to pull uh, pull away. Uh, this time, uh, his contender was just behind him for all race, so he didn't did make this big gap like he did it with uh, with Jeffrey in uh, in Riola. But he was really good and able to come back on the podium. Was a, was a great reward for him as a first podium in front of his uh, daughter and uh, that's always uh, a little bit emotional and uh, I think it's really important for him because if I'm not wrong like uh, Jeremy Sewer also Glenn is on the end of the contract uh, at the end of the season so it's time to rediscuss a contract with uh, uh, Yamaha or another manufacturer or with a new one uh, who knows that is uh, coming in future in uh, in MXGP Glenn is one of the most experienced uh, rider uh, he was in many different uh, factory teams. He, he made a great experience in the Carly at the time of KTM factory team. Then in Yamaha, is one of the key uh, men of uh, developing the bike. Uh, that's I'm pretty sure. And it's just one thing with Yamaha since long time. And uh, uh, that gives him a lot of uh, plus value. But now there's a kind of earthquake in uh, in a mixed GP with Yamaha teams, uh, so there will be a revolution uh, for next year. I'm pretty sure about, and uh, it will be difficult for many of those good riders, very good riders, to find a factory deal or to stay where they are. So it will be interesting because uh, if Yamaha moves uh, to go back to two mixed GP rider and one mx two with the factory teams or stuff like that, it will be really packed because. Iago Gers already has a contract for next year to go to MXGP factory with Yamaha. Uh, Maxime Renault has already a contract. Uh, so those two places are already took. If they do three riders, okay, that's in between Jeremy, Glenn, uh, and who knows. So it's, uh, it's quite tough for everyone at the moment. Uh, and uh, even if the season is just uh, uh, at the middle point, uh, it's already time to think about the contract for those guys. Yeah, it's it's probably if you asked most people, if you said Glenn would be what sixteen points behind uh, Jeremy Sear, his teammate, who was the title yeah. favorite heading, and most people probably would have said, "Nah, that's not possible." But that's that's yeah. where we are now. And with uh, with Glenn, obviously, do you see him going to another factory team? Obviously, the 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 development of bikes is something that he would be really good at. His knowledge is uh, just everything, really. He's such a diligent operator isn't he but or even would there be something like going back to standing construct who he has a great relationship with is that something in any of those pathways do you think one's more likely than the other uh i i i was already saying yes when you started saying standing <laughs> at the stand i would say yes i think that is the, the best option for him and the most realistic option as a fantastic team uh, they did it great uh, they won races through the years and they were able to to put on a good good results with all the riders they had in past. Uh, they are suffering a lot this year. It's not an easy situation for them with Honda. Uh, I don't think it's bike problem. I think just this. Unfortunately, they got a couple of injuries. Uh, Brian Bogers is not performing as uh, last year. Uh, and also, also Paul Jonas is suffering a lot with this injury and with the misfortune he has. 
but it's the right place for him, you know, for for Glenn uh, with a lot of experience, a team that he knows very well, close from home, uh, Dutch speaking, uh, he, he can have everything. And I think that even the bike can can suit him a lot. So uh, I I don't see three places around honestly because Gas Gas is for KTM probably Oscarna. Uh, we don't know yet if uh, they will put on one MX bike. Don't think so. Uh, Yamaha is where he is. There will be maybe one place in Kawasaki. Unfortunately for for the poor Mitch, that was having his best weekend. We have to to say this later, but he yeah. had a fantastic weekend. Uh, so there's honestly not so many places. Uh, Honda, of course, there's no place. Yeah. So uh, what you do, I think, is the best option if you don't if you can't uh, save your your place in Yamaha at the moment. I think that that will be the best place. Uh, so yeah. I think yeah, so. I definitely right. don't think retirement's an option yet for him, or he, it shouldn't be because he's still riding so well. We definitely hope not. And, yeah. um, he's just a great man to have in the paddock. So many people know him from his heroics at the Nations and these kind of things. He He's a popular rider worldwide, so having him there is always good on the gate. And just to Ruben Fernandez, uh, consistency is the key again, mate, for him, isn't it? He's obviously now he's scored in every single qualifying race. He just He just keeps picking up the points, doesn't he? He keeps impressing. He's doing it uh, as a one-man team without Geyser. And you sort of, for his first year in that factory setup, it's he just continues to impress, doesn't he, mate? It's it's not flashy. It's not sort of what it used to be or, you know, boom or bust. It's just really measured, intelligent, consistent stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, having more than 300 points uh, at the ninth round, it's really a lot for him. I think he's even surprised by himself he had a couple of little issues during a couple of motos for example the second one in latvia Mm. uh, took away from him a few points but still he was yes and riola that but that to me uh, riola was really uh, the first approach to a race uh, uh, having having won the, the, the previous one you know in argentina didn't help him a lot uh, arriving on the worst track that he could have a part of Lommel probably and and he was putting so much pressure on himself from always looking from outside huh? um, and, and that was uh, was the problem because then we saw him doing so well uh, after this uh, back on the podium a few times uh, and consistent uh, he, he gained three more points on uh, Roman Febre that is just ten points away from him and those two riders will end after the two Indonesian round, second and third in the championship. is almost sure. So that <laughs> means a lot. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, really something big, you know, for him. And uh, I-, I want to see how he reacts if uh, he keeps his head cold uh, like he's doing it because it was always his problem while he was in MX2. Problem every time he did a good start was to keep him cool and calm and was doing whatever to stay in front and to be, you know, and this brings a lot of mistakes, a lot of little injuries and a shame. Uh, On the other hand, I see a completely different rider today, much more mature, uh, doing less mistakes, uh, thinking much more. The team has helped him a lot. That's for sure. Uh, All the Italian team, Marcus and Roger Shanton on on the HRC side, uh, everyone is there to help him, and you can feel it. You can feel it just looking at him on the 
uh, on the starting read and then looking at him while he talks in the press conference. And of course, while he's riding, because his riding style has changed a lot, it's much more efficient at the moment, less spectacular and fast uh, as a pure uh, speed, but much more consistent than through the races. Yeah, well said. And yeah, that, that yeah, that approach and just the way he's going about it, you got to admire it. And just on the February, obviously a weekend of missed opportunities for him. Uh crashes in both modes. Definitely, yeah, again, had the <laughs> speed. Um, obviously that track, we haven't really touched on it, but how good was that track? Uh like in terms of difficulty levels, uh so challenging, ledges, ruts, you know, muddy bum, you know, muddy ruts, like just they obviously had to water it because of the dust and it was really tricky. Speaking to Mikhail Harrop yesterday, he obviously negotiated extremely well coming from 30th to 8th. Yeah. A lot of guys did. A lot of guys obviously struggled at bits and guys pretty pretty badly, obviously, with hurling being the main one. But um, it was a tough one. What, what was your take on it all? And obviously with four classes, the track prep is uh, not that easy to get done or as much as you, they would like to. So your your opinion from on the ground. Yeah, um, I, I will come back again on what we said uh, at the beginning of uh, those uh, really nice conversation we, we had through the season. Um, I don't understand. Uh, uh, I saw a video of Stefan Evers winning uh, uh, the race 25 years ago. And we will come uh, later and we will go later on Liam. But that was Stefan winning 25 years ago. The track was almost dry. Uh, not big ruts, because today, I mean, Sunday, the ruts were honestly incredibly big. Uh, you can uh, walk in and don't see the, the uh, nobody because you were in, completely inside the rut. Uh, but the, the, the track at that time, okay, 25 years ago, bikes were different, speed was different. Uh, but I was looking at that. I was talking with Tony K. Rowley. I was talking with... Uh, Claudio De Carli, we were at the airport and, and said, oh, look, look how nice it was. It was full of grass around, uh, even some time on the track. And the track was was dry, but wasn't dusty. Uh, and I did not, I, I was trying to understand what was different because our track, Sunday morning, Sunday morning and Saturday morning was complete flooded. You can, you could even not walk in, you know, like, 40 centimeter of deep mud full of water uh, after the warm ups you could not recognize the riders um but they they say they tell you that is because of the dust to prevent the dust okay but we had dust at the end of the day mm. and so the key probably was on a answer that I had from uh, from Claudio and from from all, how many categories they had 25 years ago all right. Then I I will say, yeah, is you you're right, guys. You're much more experienced than me, and I, I didn't think about the right stuff. So we had EMX one to five, EMX two fifty, MX2, MXGP, four categories, six motos, two warm-ups. The track is always busy. European kids with uh, electric bikes, of course, they don't touch the track those little bikes they don't make damage but they take time yep. for working on track so when you have five categories six seven motors with the with the electric bike motor but i would say okay i agree on six motors and not seven but two warm-ups you don't have the time to work on track and the track is destroyed by 
the bikes by the different categories, by the lines of the 1 to 50 compared to the lines of the 250s, two strokes, four, four strokes, 450. So we come back on what we said at the beginning of the season. Why we don't do just Saturday for the other series and Sunday for MX to MXGP? Maybe this will just help on fixing better the track, having more time on track to work. People need to rest. People need to drink something, to go for a little pee, to eat something, to have time to enjoy, to go for autograph session, to go for pictures with the riders, to go and chatting. Not only to have every minute someone that is riding the track. So I come back on what my idea that is to come back on the format with European Championship, girls, whatever, on Saturday. And then time practice in the morning and two motos in between noon time and the afternoon. This will just give more time to the people that are trying to do their best. I know a few of them, uh, Morelli or uh, um, the New Zealand guy that is doing a fantastic job, Greg Atkins uh, and other guys. They are incredibly good on doing this job. They are the best probably we, ha we can have. But Many time they don't have the time to work on track. Uh, there's no time, so uh, they put water, 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 and it's not them that put water, but normally it's the motor club to prevent the dust. But you have half of the races that uh, you do on uh, really poor conditions, and many riders complain also this time about track conditions. For some were good, for some were really bad, uh, but still, I don't know. Anyway, the track was quite difficult, really technical, uh, a little bit old school for some uh, some stuff, and uh, we had great races. But uh, I think that there is still room to improve. But it's not in the people who are working the tracks or what they are doing on track. Is on having time to do it. I think that that's the key. That's my opinion, of course. Yeah, it's sort of like they've got the the guys the the track the track preppers and builders. They know what they're doing. It's just they're not really having the conditions to be able to do their job properly, which is obviously difficult. And it's a fine balance, isn't it? Because you hear from the riders, they you know they want to be challenged. They want um, sections on the track that, that they can make the difference up. They can you know shine or excel yeah. per se. But um, yeah, when you when they're like that, it gets really difficult and it. It's probably not a great look. It's awesome. Like we admire what they do, but having so many injuries, it's it's sort of a tougher, tough thing to balance out. But we'll see how it is in Indonesia, mate. Obviously, there won't be the all the extra classes as anywhere yeah. near as, as much. So we'll see what the how the track pans out there. But yeah, the roost and everything looked pretty painful there. You see some of the guys uh posting afterwards. It looked like they'd uh been in a bit of a scrap, you know. But yeah, we'll yeah. we'll keep keep an eye on it for sure, mate. And I've got to get your take on Mitch Evans. Uh great return to form. I think he said to yeah. James all the way back in, yeah, maybe six weeks ago, or say four weeks ago, that, that Germany was sort of time frame we were expected to get back into the top 10. And he was pretty well spot on again, mate. I think he predicted something similar last year when he was with HRC, that this round or around this point of the period was where we'd see it. And uh, we saw him get back to a level that he knows should be at and where he belongs. And hopefully he can build from here, mate. It's just good seeing a, seeing a fast and healthy Mitch Evans out there, isn't it? Yeah, of course, if we look at the last uh, races of Mitch, of course, a part of uh, uh, Portugal that uh, I think it, it was quite uh, uh, difficult for him, even if 
in my opinion, was one of uh, the best track for him, uh, probably the best to come back at that moment with that kind of flow. Uh, but he scores 16 points uh, in uh, Spain. After this, uh, was 15 points in uh, France and then 14 in Latvia. And now, uh, finally, uh, we are almost close to 30 points, what I think for him is uh, uh, the average of points that uh, he wanted to take. It was really good on predict uh, this uh, uh, comeback on the on a good shape uh, in this moment. Uh, the tracks was good for him. I think also the next two tracks in Indonesia could uh, suit him a lot, and uh, he can he can show us what he is able to do as uh, as he did last year, for example, in Udavalla, uh, while he was in, uh, in 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 good good shape. Uh, it's a little bit unlucky also. Uh, so we have to say this that many of the times uh, while he was ready to. Uh, to fight for the for the good positions, he was a bit unlucky. Of course, he can have also the, the chance uh, to have a little bit less adversaries on track at the moment without Jonas Bogers, uh, Renault, Herlings, and and so on to just fight for for good points and take back some confidence. You know that's really important uh, because why you go to to the start line is important to be focused, but also to trust yourself a lot uh, before taking the start. So I really hope uh, that uh, that finally is back and that this this was the the signal we we needed. Uh, after those two races, uh, we will have uh, Locket was uh, another track where we can perform uh, uh, pretty well. Uh, then, of course, uh, uh, after Locket, there's Belgium, Finland. Uh, uh, as a kind of a double nightmare probably <laughs> for him, but uh, I'm just joking uh, as I know him very well and uh, I know he could laugh on this. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, before we head to Lommel, uh, we will uh, see a good increase in, uh, in the standings uh, with the points for him. And uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that uh, he, he can perform well in the next rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, mate. He's got all the skills to do it. It's just just staying on two yeah. wheels and, and doing all he can. And I'll have to get your thoughts on Ferrato, mate. I skipped over him just then. Um, what a what another great performance by the big man. You know, he keeps he keeps kind of proving everyone wrong, silencing the critics. He's uh he's just yeah, you can't really say much more than consistent. He's showing that he's a top guy now and he can and passing hurlings and battling with him on multiple <laughs> occasions and he's kind of a guy you don't really yeah. want to battle with, eh? Because he's pretty he loves getting stuck into those battles and duels and he's he's got pretty confident yeah. he backs himself too doesn't he so from the italian perspective mate everyone must be pretty happy with how he's going absolutely the top 5 is so close and i'm pretty sure that indonesia could bring it uh, it was honestly after the second moto was not pissed off more much more than pissed off he was so hungry and uh, he, he was out of himself uh, also against uh, Jeremy Seward, that is uh, a really good mate of him. Eh? They're really good mate, but Je Je Jeremy just crashed in front of him and that was a disgrace for him as he crashed together with Alessandro. So the two Italians were out uh, and he had to restart from, from that last. And, and that didn't help him a lot, of course, uh, because he had to recover so many positions. He was probably... 30 something he went back to seven what is a great result and he was almost on the top five but uh qualifying race was impressive his speed was impressive he was second third always and then again third in the quality race what it's uh it's really important for him because it gives him a lot of confidence 
uh, it needs to be a little more consistent uh, consistent because uh, it can you know sometimes uh, it can be hard to to uh, to be consistent like when you have crashes like you had in France uh, it's it's easy to to lose points but without uh, this it's at the moment is is doing pretty well uh, it took one uh, more place uh, in the standings at the moment is eight and is getting okay not so close but closer to uh calvin blander and uh, that he had probably not the best weekend in uh, in germany at that till now was one of the best rider we saw uh, and we were talking always good about him so alberto is doing pretty well and uh, i'm happy for him and uh today was a post uh, from guananini uh they were saying imagine what i'm doing uh and then someone was, of course, the most of the answer where, oh, you start back riding. And I'll, uh, and Mattia said, uh, we have only three weeks. Uh, we are only three weeks after the injury, not three months. Okay. So that's the difference. So it's much earlier to talk uh, about riding. So uh, that says a lot also about uh, how long it will take before we say we see him back on uh, on track. But we saw someone back on the bike, back on track, and it's Simon Langenfelder, who yeah. told us in, uh, in Germany that he was ready to come back on the bike, and uh, he was doing it today in Malagrotta, and he was pretty happy about it. Oh, good to hear, mate. Yeah, he, he put, I saw him on the MXGP, the studio show. He did the interview there, and he, he said that he should be ready for um, Indonesia. So it'd be great to yeah. see him back in there, throwing a bit of a spanner in the works for those title contenders, mate. And um, just to wrap up MXGP, uh, obviously Ben Watson in that second moto, very impressive getting eighth and running it up there and must be a massive yeah. boost to confidence to him and Dan Horbeek, uh, you know, coming in to fill in and yeah, he did pretty well, slotted in nicely and Tom Cock, 10-10, yes. the 10th overall, that's in front of the home fans and yeah, just your thoughts on some of those guys and obviously the fans in Germany, they love their riders, don't they? Yeah, they really <laughs> love their riders. Again, we had a, a really good GP with a lot of crowds. Not so many in uh, Latvia, but uh, in Germany, we're back on a really good average of spectators. Uh, they crazy for, for, for the riders, even if they don't have at the moment uh, so many good riders because Simon was uh, the best and he, he, it's not, uh, he wasn't on track for ri riding. Uh, they still have plenty of flags with Roxen on so that tells a lot about uh, the last years what happened the last years not so much for them but still uh, the Koch brothers they have three uh, brothers they were all in the top probably 15 in the moment of the race then of course Tom that is most experienced uh, was able to to come back and uh, and do a pretty good race that was important of course uh, for him Ben did a fantastic uh, second race because uh, ending in eighth place is, uh, is really good uh, if I have to say uh, performance of uh, Van Orebeck was uh, the most astonishing because a rider that is out since uh, Redbird and was just on a deal in the last couple of weeks uh, so it wasn't really like training so hard uh, it was there able uh, uh, to be in the top 10 what is uh, uh, quite amazing but it says a lot also about uh, the level of MXGP with all the injuries because uh, when someone come from uh, almost nothing of course with a lot of experience on a track that loves but still it tells a lot about uh, uh, the problem we have at the moment uh, 
with uh, with injuries because uh, if you take uh, the, the uh, top 10 we we have Tom Koch behind uh, Jeremy Van Orebeck Valentin Gio didn't a good race uh, overall because I was thinking uh, he could uh, perform mm. much better on a track like that but like Jere Jere Avistoy was uh, 14th uh, or uh, I don't know many many riders that are normally not in the top 20 were there so it was a tough weekend also for uh, uh, Alessandro who was doing quite well but then this uh, crash in the second moto took away uh, the chance to do do another top 10 and he was just forced to to retire with some problem on the bike first moto wasn't that brilliant uh, for him but in the second moto it could be better but anyway it's uh it's still there uh, in the championship yeah mate absolutely and on demex too where yeah another pretty fascinating weekend of action mate everett's getting his first overall and first moto win pretty awesome uh you know moment to share for him obviously all the hard work and all the burden and the you know the pressure that yeah. he goes through um yeah, to walk in his shoes, he was saying it's definitely not easy. So must have been a massive sort of relief for him to to get that one out of the way. And now he can keep moving forward, celebrate with the family because it's a, it's an incredible achievement the three generations, isn't it? And um, how how was it being there, mate? It must have been pretty special. I I think it was uh, probably the, the the most special thing we saw since long time. Uh, Stefan uh, was out of himself. Uh, how happy he was. His father Harry was even more happy. So the the club is now quite bigger than before because Harry won twenty six Grand Prix in his career. Stefan, we know of course one hundred one, and now there is one GP from uh, Liam. I don't know if there are so many families uh, with three generation of uh, Grand Prix winners. So for the moment we are talking about Grand Prix winners, but don't forget that Liam is still in a position uh, uh, that allows him to think about fighting for the title even from this season uh, because he's sixth, but uh, they are really packed at the moment and uh, some up and downs and is the most interesting uh, category at the moment. What was looking till France as the worst uh, category because we are we're all watching at a mixed GP with a lot of interest saying, okay, Iago is winning everything and he will just... Uh, destroy the championship and winning the title with maybe five races uh, before the end of the season. No, at the moment, it's the most packed uh, championship is MX2. And Liam was quite emotional, but uh, he said those words that uh, means a lot because uh, I love uh, I love Stefan. I uh, had the chance to see Stefan ride and uh, he did everything he could for his son, but I don't know if uh, this is really helpful. I mean, giving your number to your son, giving the best bike always, the best gears always, the best helmet, best boots, best everything always since he was a, a, a little kid. Uh, it doesn't help uh, completely. To me, it's more sometimes an obstacle than that you have to, to pass. Then maybe once you pass through this uh, obstacle and you go over it's uh it can be even you can be even more strong because uh, uh now he, he knows that is it can be really fast it can be really consistent and it can uh, fight with everybody on track uh so it's uh another turning point for his career the first podium was uh and now it's it's showing that uh, that he's doing pretty well so i'm happy for him uh the 
Hugh with uh, with Tony Cairoli at the end of the race reminds me a little bit about that Hugh in uh, Arco di Trento while uh, they were both on the podium with Andrea winning the race. Uh, you can feel really that it's a kind of uh, deep affection, deep uh, uh, love from Tony with his kids in the team. Uh, and uh, and there is a kind of really respect from uh, each other. Real, uh, and Tony is doing alongside with uh, also, of course, uh, uh, Joel Smets a fantastic job. Uh, they are creating a good group. The atmosphere is brilliant. Uh, and there is really, honestly, a kind of... Uh, structure inside the structure uh, um, because the MX2 team is a fantastic reality. I'm pretty sure that now step by step also Sasha uh, will uh, keep growing because of course uh, it's uh, it's fantastically talented but uh, it's still too small uh, with just his body so it's just a question of uh, build up a little bit the physique, the body uh, as his brother uh is already you know tall and big enough to to deal with the others and without this little problem with the chain uh who, who breaks in a second moto it could have won both races what was an amazing result for him we said at the beginning of the season we will see uh this guy on the top step of the podium one day during the season and this eighth place in the standings in the championship doesn't say uh, enough about the talent of this kid that uh, he was able to win already the second moto of his career. He was winning the third on the same day, uh, but unfortunately the chain broke with a stone and that's a heartbreak really, honestly, for him. Yeah, the, the results don't really reflect the speed in a lot of ways, even though they have been really impressive. He's Yeah, it's quite yeah. incredible what he's doing there. He's just sort of like absolutely coming into his own and he's had the speed all yeah. year really it's not like it's a surprise almost to see him doing so well because he's got the speed and the talent but yeah just getting back to obviously Everts and Adamo and I, think I spoke to Everts after Trentino where he obviously excelled as well and um yeah he's, it's pretty amazing you see a lot of athletes and their children the, the kids often don't have that mentality or the desire because you know they don't have to work so hard for it fight so hard for it because they get a lot of yeah. things given to him. So it's a massive credit to his mental strength and, you know, capacity to put in the work and I guess his his dad too for for making him, you know, realise yeah. the opportunity and realise his dream as well because it's you can't fake putting in the work and win an MXGP overall and in the MX2 class. It's not something you can just run into, you know. Same with Deegan in, in America. You can't just wake up one day and ride there and win, you know. There's so many guys that want it just as bad, so... It was really cool to see that and being there would have been great, mate. And Adamo, he obviously second and he, he obviously, you know, he mentioned on that MXGP uh, show, you know, that he's feeling the burden of that red plate. It definitely something changed and you sort of realised the gravity of the situation. So he obviously had his yeah. moments and not a perfect weekend by any stretch, but to come out of it with, with the good points haul and um, yeah, on top of the championships, pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, uh, for Andrea, the, the, the first red plate in Latvia was something uh, really heavy to hold, uh, really heavy on his bikes. And uh, on on the worst track probably this year, he could have it. Um, this time he had the chance to do, I have to say, like a decent ride uh, in uh, old motos. And uh, not the best so far. It wasn't completely happy about his riding. It was just, he said, yeah, I'm happy, but not... I was happier in different in other moments of uh, 
of my career and of the season. Uh, so I can understand him, but uh, it's a, it's a step, you know, it's another step. Uh, able to manage with the idea to having the red plate on your bike. Uh, of course, the injury of uh, Iago and the injury now of uh, um, Kaida Wolf helped him a little bit to to manage on uh, getting this red plate. But still, uh, you have to be there. Uh, it's the only thing that counts is uh, the standings. And uh, you have to be there at every race, at every moto, and fight for this. So Andre is a fighter. He's a proper fighter. And uh, and I think he, he is doing really the, 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 right, uh, the right stuff. Um, to me, it's still so amazing to see how... Uh, they're good in KTM to pick the right riders at the right moment because um, it's it sounds incredible, but uh, who could think uh, at the end of the season, while uh, in uh, even not at the end, but we were I think in Locket uh, or in Lommel while they announced that Andrea was on a factory team for the next season, uh, and when they announced that Tom will go to America. And then uh, Liam uh, will be the teammate. We they didn't talk about Sasha still because nobody knew that he will come on the team at that time. But everyone was saying that would be just a disaster. Uh, they will never do something. So of course a little bit of luck helped, but still they won races. They are holding the red plate and they there fighting for the title with Andrea Adamo. And uh, uh, I'm, maybe if only Andrea and his family and someone in KTM was believing in this last year. So head off for them, for the choice they do and for the capacity to always succeed in, in some way and to be there, you know. Um, and the atmosphere in the team is superb uh, for those kids. So that's, they, they are doing a great job. Yeah, that's a great point. And obviously, just a couple more in MX2. Beniston obviously probably would have wanted a much better weekend than that after his uh, masterclass there last year in Germany. It was such a great ride. And yeah, him and yeah. Van Most, I won't really be happy with that. I would imagine they, they wanted more. Um, and Harrop, you've got to give uh, give out props to him. Um, I spoke to him yesterday and coming from 30th to 8th in the first one and then mixing it with factory guys and beating them in the second one. On the, he's still getting used to that bike. He was saying he's not completely there with it, but he's he's doing it. He's happy. He's training back in Denmark, doing that program he did last year with Dixon, and he's he's got all he needs to, to sort of make himself get the best out of him. So yeah, it was good to see him, and he's definitely looking for more moving forward. Best result ever for his um, team. He was saying the WZ KTM. He's happy there. He said it's a bit of a different change having teammates, but it's cool to bounce some ideas off. But his speed was um, very impressive, like really up there with, you know, the likes of Coonan. So he, Lucas Coonan obviously was sort of a class apart on the weekend, if we're being honest, wasn't he, in terms of yeah. speed and riding. And he was very close to those lap times. And it wasn't just the the one-off speed. It was the consistent speed in both motos for Harrop. Very, yeah. very much not changed, you know, just a second or two, you know, max between the first and the last lap. So just your thoughts on those guys, mate. Yeah, of course, Mikel. Uh, Sometimes we forgot that we forget that uh, where he come from. Mikel uh, was on a factory problem with Oscarna since he was a kid, really a kid. He was running the one to five EMX one to five bike uh, with Oscarna uh, alongside with people like Max Nagel, like uh, Gautier Polen in uh, in that big truck, um, and he was in that program for a reason uh, because of his talent, of course. Uh, he was always. Uh, uh, one of the most talented and fast guys when he was uh, younger. 
and now it was it was getting a little bit lost in the past two seasons. So I'm I'm really happy that he's coming back. He's working uh, a lot to to reach what uh, what he's doing. Uh, still has one of the best uh, style and uh, is one of the fastest guy out there. So really happy to to see him back at that uh, at that level. Uh, for what concerns Lucas, we said already that uh, his speed is fantastic, uh, and he was really just managing to to take out two incredible victories uh, with a big gap and uh, without uh, for the the rest of the 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 group to just even think to to answer him on track. So uh, that says a lot. It's only shame, if I wanted to be honest, is that we're talking about uh, Lucas Cohen and Sasha Cohen, and uh, we are talking about. Uh, uh, Thibaut Beniston, or riders that potentially are already in America for the future and will leave uh, Europe. And that's for me, is a big pain. And uh, uh, because those are incredible talents. Uh, we saw uh, Lucas, uh, for example, born as a talent uh, in the EMX uh, and uh, grow so quick and being now so good. That it's a little bit like uh, with the Lawrence brother. Uh, I think we are talking about something quite similar. Maybe Thibaut is not showing at the moment is the best of his potential. Last week uh, it was uh, the case, but uh, we are talking about one of the best riders uh, out there. Of course, winning one to five uh, uh, title, two fifty title the year after. What is not common at all, and. We we will see those guys going away from uh, from uh, MX2 from MXGP, and I say with with a lot of pain uh, because uh, uh, it's a shame that we lose so many talent. I don't know what we 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 can do to keep them here. I'm pretty sure that is uh, from one side there is of course this kind of prestige to be in America and to win Supercross. This we will never pair this. We will never match this kind of prestige of winning the Supercross in America. But there is also a question of money. There is also a question of interest by the media. There is always also a question of uh, uh, interest from the manufacturer. So I think that everyone must to make another uh, effort to just let grow all uh, the championship in terms of audience, in terms of popularity, in terms of money because uh, those kids they go away because they are attracted of course from the name but more i think from to be stars and treated as real stars what they're not here and uh, and also because that they will gain much much more uh, uh jet lawrence in europe today could be the star of mx2 so it means almost nobody uh, in america is the proper star of everything in motocross and supercross. So, and everyone in the world is talking about him doing the same performance here. I think that around the world, nobody will talk so much about him. You know, if Andrea Adamo will uh, uh, win uh, the championship this year, it would be fantastic. Uh, uh, in Europe, it would be amazed by, in Italy, we would go crazy for. But do you think that many in Australia or in the United States will know Andrea Adamo? I don't know. If Andrea Adamo was winning a, a title in America and then going for a title in the national, I think that uh, it will already be a kind of superstar. But that's that's the way we are. And uh, so we have to deal with this. We have to deal with the fact that uh, the 
not, not all the best riders because this is fake. I mean, we have uh, Jeffrey Ellings, we had Tony Cairoli for many years, we have Roman Fevre, we, we had so many good riders that decided to stay here and didn't want to, to cross the ocean. But still, uh, I think that we can do more to keep more of those kids here uh, and doing their job here. Because when I see Tom Vial riding in America with this 128, uh, it's still a little bit painful, honestly. Yeah, it's really cool what you said. Now, do you, do you think Vial, like, he's definitely had his struggles this year. Do you think that would be like a cautionary tale to some of these guys? Or maybe I should just, you know, wait, or maybe I should just stay in MXGP. It's a funny one because it really is. It's a complete overhaul of everything you know in a lot of ways, going to America and doing Supercross. So, um, yeah, obviously the the Conan guys are probably well-placed to do it. They're obviously the frameworks yeah. there. They've learned from past pathways, but so is Vial and, it hasn't quite gone to plan even outdoors, those one-day formats, which he was somewhat used to with the corona times in MXGP. But it's obviously, yeah, definitely, it's just there's so much to learn and take in. And it, it, it's not like you can instantly go in and start winning like you could maybe if you stayed. So that's another thing you've got to work out. The mindset of these guys, they're winners, they're killers, they're animals. They don't want to be battling yeah. fifth, you know, which must have been yeah. something quite difficult internally Vial's dealing with. But yeah, just to, to touch on some other MX2 stuff, just, Yago and Kai, mate, how sort of bravely, valiantly battling through the pain there, mate, uh, just to pick up points, just to sort of keep keep the dream alive, isn't it? you got to admire them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what was amazing for, for just ending the the the, uh, the deal on, uh, on Tom Viala. I think that Tom will remain there and still uh, growing. He's doing a pretty good job. Uh, he has plenty of good people around him. There's Eric Sorby with him. Uh, there is his father with him. There's all KTM behind him. So he's struggling a little bit. Sometimes it's just unlucky. Like last race in Thunder Valley, it was just uh, caught in this big accident with, I don't know, 20 riders. And he had this uh, problem with the, the wrist. Luckily, nothing really bad. So we'll be back on track. But it's every time a little bit more difficult, you know, to uh, find, uh, to, to feel ideas with everything. But still, I think he did a, a good season in Supercross without having big injuries. Uh, he was avoiding learning, learning, learning a lot. Sometimes he had some kind of uh, highlights uh, with leading even a uh, few laps. Sometimes it was uh, a more, more difficult day. Uh, but in outdoor, I'm pretty sure that he will uh, end on the podium uh, uh, before the end of the season because uh, there are a few events that uh, can suit him a lot. We still have to go to Redbud, uh, to places like that. So I'm pretty sure that he can uh, go on the podium, be on the podium with this 250 before the end of the season. But then I think he just he will use this experience for next year. Um, but he's a kind of character of a rider that is really smart, really intelligent. He's thinking a lot. He's not the kind of guy a little bit like... Uh, um, Dylan Ferrandis that is just wide open, you know, and he succeeded immediately because he went there wide open. He was so good, but uh, so fast, but he's also kind of uh, really different character. For, for Tom, it's a question of uh, taking his time, uh, learn much better as possible, and then uh, use uh, the experience uh, during the race. But what comes to Iago was really brave. Uh, nobody expected. I mean, yeah, there were noises around his comeback in Germany. But in fact, nobody expected really that he could ride and stay there. And uh, Andrea said uh, during the, the press conference that he was so surprised to have him 
in front and so quick, so fast already, uh, difficult to pass. And, uh, and he said, wow, uh, really congratulations to him and to his determination that he says a lot about the will of uh, winning. Uh, it's not easy for sure, but the time will be on his side. So he can, you know, just uh, uh, try to uh, work step by step. The gap is not yet so big that it's impossible to think about uh, um, taking taking some points back since the next races. Uh, it would be a question of uh, being out of uh, the trouble from here now on and uh, and to, to be consistent because... Uh, in fact, all the guys in front has no have not so much experience, you know. Uh, so it will be a funny a funny championship till the end. It's unpredictable for me. Iago is still one of the favorite for the final victory, uh, as he can be also Kai the Wolf. Uh, for Kai was a nightmare. He went from uh, the hat trick in uh, in Latvia, best GP ever, probably first victory and the worst GP with uh with injuries but again it's a question of experience uh he was injured during the weekend during the week uh while he was training uh he had this injury uh and um that that of course um made his weekend then really hard uh then he crashed two times again one time i, I saw him was in front of me he was uh, under the bike was unable to 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 come out because he was limping and it was so painful so it's a shame for him uh, but I think that uh, so, such as Mark Kidd, he, he will learn uh, immediately from uh, from what happened. Now he has a couple of weeks before he's back on the track uh, in Indonesia. What can help him uh, a little bit to to fix his physical problems, I, I hope, uh, in the best way possible. That track in Indonesia unpredict are unpredictable as uh, it, could, it can rain a lot, a lot heavy, can be really hot. It will be for sure. Anyway, humid and uh, sticky and humid and uh, hot. So that will not help any of the Belgian rider, of the Dutch rider. Maybe Andrea is uh, the only one in those uh, top riders alongside with uh, Thibaut Benistan that can uh, face uh, the hat and, uh, and the humidity and uh, in, in the best way possible, talking about the top riders in this moment. Uh, for Rohan van der Mosdijk, uh, I think it was a little bit like... Uh, a missed opportunity, you know, to get closer to the top of the standings as he's riding pretty well. But mm, those uh, results are not coming out uh, easily at the end of the moto. So that's, I'm pretty sure he's not really happy with uh, also because the bike was really good. His teammate was winning easy uh, and, and younger rider always are getting better than him. And this must be frustrating, you know, while you're waiting to to find a deal for next year with a big bike. Yeah, absolutely. And just, yeah, a couple more guys. Pretty impressive by Stauff for going 9-9 for eighth overall. Just in, in a, you know, just doing select rounds, really not a regular at all. And, yeah, it's good to see Gifting and, and Oliver and these guys. You know, McClellan was obviously, you know, he's coming back from an injury and he's working back. And Elzing has obviously made his return. So just some, a little bit of positive for those guys. But, yeah, particularly Stauff, I was like, he was battling, like, pretty hard for those places too. And he's, he was doing well. The crazy thing it was to see him third at the end of the free practice, fifth on the time practice, and then again fifth in the warm up. So uh, he had the speed, loved the tracks. Of course, you know the tracks pretty well, and uh, he had nothing to lose. But but still, you have to to match that speed. That is impressive. So uh, it was quite good to see him on on that level. Then I have to say also that there was something uh, quite 
strange i don't want to say strange but it was funny at least really funny and it was someone that on the starting grid was just screaming like an eagle before the start uh, that was so funny because then <laughs> all the riders uh, on the uh, on the left side of the gate the good side so the top riders were just turning that the, they had <laughs> on the on the starting grid to, to to try to understand who was screaming like an eagle and I think it was Peter Koenig, uh, number 470, 70, who is uh, a, a wild card. And he, this kid, he was probably trying to charge himself, you know, about positive energy <laughs> or just take away some pressure. But he was screaming long time. There's a funny video uh, with uh, on GoPro from uh, Ash Manton, you know, the GoPro man. Yeah. Uh, just take the, the opportunity <laughs> to say hello to the to, to to the man because Ash is one of the funniest guy in the in the press room and one of the the the, the most uh, uh, rewarded uh, people in the on track with with these cameras. But uh, but there's a funny video and you and the, it's from the recorder from Iago's camera uh, and Iago is just turning his head <laughs> and you heard this guy was screaming like like. Ah! And you don't understand what is happening. You never heard. You know when you when you follow like some national races with really kids, you you see this. You you sometimes there are kids that are really going crazy to, to take away the pressure to charge themselves. But in the world championship it never happened. And and everyone was just turning like, oh, what is happening there? So we, we they felt probably someone uh, like put his finger, I don't know, in a foot peg or someone uh, <laughs> was just screaming for pain. You know, but. It was quite funny, I had to say. Oh, that's awesome. I would have been a sight, that's for sure. And uh, yeah. before we know, we've got to let you go on a little bit, mate. But yeah, we've got to talk about AMX 250. Obviously, Rossi, uh, another masterclass on a track that uh, very much suits his uh, technical skills and you know, just just approach to be pretty fearless, really, because it wasn't easy. And these these kids make it look easy. It's generally staggering, isn't it? And obviously, Bonacorsi doing his thing and cast makers just steadily picking up results and Zanke mate I've got to ask you about Zanke what a first moto and even the second yeah. the second one that speed I don't know how he almost caught Prunier at the end he was like 20 seconds back you know with maybe yeah. less than 10 minutes to go and he basically if he had like another 200 meters he would have got him so massively impressive yeah. another another moto winner to add to the list in this class mate and got to say uh Lassa looked much better too obviously he's not 100 percent, but very good to see him up there yeah, it was it was really interesting uh, weekend. Uh, Marc Antoine Rossi is showing that he's ready for MX2. He's picking some incredible lines. His, his speed since Portugal is uh, probably the the top uh, in the in the championship. Still missed a little bit uh, some consistency this weekend. Of course, was a good one as he was able to put together a good result with forty three points. But Andrea. Uh, that is leading the championship uh, was just only uh, one point behind him trying to to manage uh, best as possible so andrea at the moment is doing exactly what he needs to go to do to go for uh, for for his first title in emx 250 uh, ferruccio did the uh, incredible first race then it was this drama of disqualifying 10 position penalty for for a yellow flag so it would went back then the Italian Federation went there and they uh, asked uh, to see to see the monitors, to see the video. And in fact, when he passed, he could not have uh, seen the, the, the yellow flags. So they gave him back the, the position, but only on Sunday morning. So till till that moment, he was on just 11th place. 
And he had the, the misfortune to have this bad start with the crash, uh, who took him uh, away from the possibilities to still winning the race, because I'm pretty sure that if he could start second or third, he, he could win the race uh, quite easy, as his speed was fantastic. So the growth of this kid that is still young, uh, we have to remember that at the beginning of the season, he did a new if to stay in one to five or pass into 50, uh, then they had the chance to find this deal with the team uh, VRT uh, alongside with uh, Marc Antoine Rossi. And he decided to, alongside with his father and his trainer, uh, because the trainer is the key for uh, for Ferruccio uh, and uh, to, to to find a way to, to ride 250. And at the moment, he's doing great. Uh, he's fourth in the championship. Uh, he's doing pretty well. Uh, uh, he could win this race, and the first win, I think, is not far away uh, from him. Karsamakers uh, was doing his job, but uh, to me, Karsamakers is a little bit uh, an outsider as it comes from a mix two with a different experience, different age. Uh, and to me, he, he should just fight for the title more than he is doing and for winning the races more than he's doing because uh, we are talking about like 40, 45 points difference compared to. Uh, to Andrea still. Valerio, I'm really happy with because it's not yet uh, in the perfect shape. Uh, it's not training so much uh, as uh, it was forced with the knee to rest. Uh, but after a, a good first moto, because he was starting like around the middle pack and he went back to seventh. So it was a decent uh, ride. Second moto started second. He was second for a third of first third of the race, and he was able then to stay there, lose just a couple of positions with Karsamakers and uh, Bonacorsi, who are first and second in the standings. So, so now we have a long uh, wait uh, before uh, we head for the next race. I mean, for Valerio, uh, no, I don't know, Ferruccio, probably not, but for Valerio, next race would be this Sunday in Arco di Trento already with uh, the Italian Championship. But then we are talking about middle August with Finnish GP for the EMX 250. So there is time to recover, even if it would not be the favorite place for Valerio where to uh, to, to make a good ride. It would be probably much, much better for Andrea uh, to may, maybe make the, the turning point for the championship at that uh, at that race. But it would be interesting to see what happened. Disappointed a little bit about the results of uh, the Fantic bikes as Casvalk uh, was in... He did a huge crash in the practice in the Saturday morning and then he wasn't able really to make uh, together a good uh, a good race and uh, Alexis for the same. He wasn't able really to, to uh, do a brilliant race. As I was expecting a little bit more from Ivano Vanerpo, who won in Latvia, but he was suffering a little bit about the track condition in Germany. Yeah, it was great racing, isn't it, mate? They're all they're all sort of having a yeah. crack. There was a good battle between Bonacorsi and Kazvalk in that in that second one. They certainly yes. and even Mather and Bonacorsi wasn't giving that place up without a fight, was he, mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. They know each other very well. They know each other since long time. They were both riding uh, in teams based in uh, nearby Rome, so they know they know each other very well. Uh, they all uh, both really clean riders and uh, all, all almost I would say already professional riders in our old sense. So battles like that just let grow more the the the, uh, the level of the Italian motocross, and that's really important uh, in the future. Yeah, and then just a quick word on the one two fives, um, EMX, Resilus and Valon. Just it's that's their show, mate. They just keep tearing it up. It was pretty cool to see Fredzo get on the podium, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a 
unexpected results. Uh, I saw many uh, Danish uh, people really, really happy about uh, about him on the podium. Brian Jorgensen was uh, really happy. Also, I saw all the all the, all the Danish stuff, full of Danish uh, guys. Uh, Rezulis was uh, able to win the race uh, also because uh, in the second race for Matisse Vallin, it was really difficult uh, mm. to come back. He was last that last and he was to me able to make, to put together a very good race uh, showing his speed but the kid is really cool and uh, he was calm uh Rezulis was really disappointed to lost uh, his home gp against uh, against Valen. Valen is doing everything honestly in a good way to fight for the title till the end of course finland will be a little bit more for for yanis uh, as is uh, a, a sand rider but uh, Matisse Valen already signed a contract for next year to go to AMX uh, 250. So he already decided to pass the category, change the team as his team is still doing 125 next year. His team, I will uh, have to say, that is managed by Valentin Teillet, who is uh, a great former rider, a uh, French uh, guy, really professional, really nice person and uh, doing always... Uh, uh, is best uh, for for his kids, but uh, he decided to stay in one to five for the future, as the budget is really different while you go with the four strokes, and and he's doing a good job. And a little note on uh, Simone Mancini, who was uh, doing a very good and to me honestly unexpected first race with a good start. He was able to uh, to put together a, a very very good moto, finishing in uh, in third place. Then, unfortunately, wasn't able to reply these results in the second uh, race. And there is another kid that uh, is interesting, of course. is number uh, 911, what is not emergency, but uh, is uh, Gennaro Utech. Uh, this kid is another time, is a kid, is a 2009, uh, so really young, one of the youngest out there. Uh, for him, it was always difficult to get qualified this year. Uh, he did it in France and he did good points and he did it again uh, here in uh, Germany, uh, putting together two solid motos, second moto, I think he was like 13 or something like that. What is really good for um, 2009, uh, like uh, our little uh, Mano 4 that had uh, a huge crash at the start of the first moto while he was uh, in the middle pack and he restarted last. Second moto, uh, he took uh, with his hand uh, a little uh, like pole and he had a huge cut in between two fingers, uh, but he decided to don't stop. He stopped only at the end of the race and at the medical center, they put four stitches to fix this cut that was really deep, and they said that probably they would, he would need an operation because maybe uh, some muscle was damaged in with the cut. Uh, but that says a lot about the will uh, of this kid that uh, just he decided to don't stop because it was just like the first lap, and he ended the race coming back and finishing like 24th, but uh, like battling like a little animal. So those young kids are already there uh, uh, for a uh, uh, let us see some good action in future. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, all the classes provided provided plenty of entertainment, that's for sure, mate. And um, definitely thanks for joining us again, mate. Uh, we really appreciate And before we let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and obviously Even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, there is no us. So thanks again, Lorenzo, mate. All the best for the for the rest of the, the next couple of weeks, and we'll uh, speak to you next week. And uh, it's always a pleasure.
Thanks to you, Ed. It's uh, it was a pleasure, like always, uh, and I really looking forward to talk again with you next week. Thanks, man.